Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Still in Motion podcast, where we talk about dance and dance photography from both sides of the camera. I'm Catherine. I'm Jonathan. And it's 2020. Yay. That's crazy. How was your New Year's? How was Disney? It was good. Disney New Year's was probably the most intense thing I've ever done in my whole life. It was crazy. I'm sure it was a lot of people, but were there special events happening? So like the fireworks show that happens um, at midnight is pretty cool. What basically happened was we got to the park at 7am for like this early morning opening thing. And like, it's a really busy time of the year there. So if you want to go on any rides or like do anything, you kind of have to go at seven. So we go at seven and the plan is to like go for an hour or two and then leave the park, go back to the hotel, take a nap, rest, and then come back for the fireworks. But the park reached capacity, which was like, I don't even remember how many people. At seven in the morning? It reached capacity around noon. And we were still there. And we found out that if we left the park, we were not going to get back in. So we couldn't leave. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we also like couldn't really do that much because like all of the rides had, you know, three hour wait times and like the stores were packed. There was one path where like, Everybody was just stopped trying to get from like one part of the park to another. Couldn't even walk through. Everybody was just shoulder to shoulder. So it was really, it was crazy intense. It was a lot of fun. Um, But like the fireworks time, everybody like packed in in front of the castle. And like people were like yelling, trying to claim their space and not let other people in. And like more people were trying to shove their way into the front, but like without letting other people out. So it was the most tightly packed crowd that I've ever been in. It was mm-hmm. like insane. I am I'm glad that I did it once, but I don't know if I would ever do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my family went on New Year's when it was turning 2000, which was another big year, but I was mm-hmm. so young. I have very vague recollections. So I think yeah. I would like to go maybe one more time now that I can really fully appreciate and remember everything. But that sounds a little intense. Mine was like the total opposite. I was at my parents' house. We were just chilling. I was like on the computer. It turned midnight and I like walked downstairs, gave my mom a hug, walked upstairs, gave my dad a hug, told them good night. And then I went to bed. So I love that kind of New Year's. (laughs) Yeah. That's like ideal. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was really nice. It was really chill. And then I saw uh, Frozen 2 with my mom. Oh, I saw that too. So what did you think? I liked it. Um, I... A lot of my friends who had seen it said they cried. I didn't quite cry, but I could see where like the emotional bits were. And I really enjoyed the story. The The visuals, of course, are stunning. Um, yeah, I liked it. How do you like it? I, I really liked it. Normally, I don't like sequels. Like, I feel like they're kind of a moneymaker for like Pixar yeah, or whatever. Yeah, sequels are rarely good. Yeah, but this one, I felt like they used the first Frozen movie to like established the characters and then the second one was just like a much more developed plot yeah Um, yeah i really enjoyed it i like the music too i listened to it a lot (laughs) i was talking to my parents about this and it's weird how when i think of disney classic songs i think you know lion king aladdin Mm -hmm. you know those movies but kids nowadays they didn't grow up with that so like these are now their Disney classic you know like it's it's such a weird feeling yeah and they're remaking even the classics now so they'll still have them but it's a newer version that 
I don't know, usually isn't as good. <laughs> yeah. And those opinion. newer versions are the ones that kids think of first. Right. And also like a lot of the movies that we grew up with are now like TV show series. Yeah. Things. Which is weird. Yeah. So like a lot of the times if when I'm teaching, I mention like a movie or some kid mentions a movie, I'll be like, oh, uh, Beauty and the Beast. They'll be like, yeah, the TV show. And I'm like, wait, no, wait, it's a TV show. <laughs> what? Oh, like, I didn't know. Everything is a show. A TV show. I don't even know if that one's a TV show. That was an example. But like everything seems like it's just referred to as a show. And I don't know if the kids I'm teaching are like they're five and they're just confused or like if everything is a show and not a movie. It's really weird. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a way for Disney to stretch one idea and make as much money mm -hmm. out of it as possible. Although, I mean, I will say from a marketing and content creator um, vantage point, I mean, it's smart to figure out how many w different ways you can take the same concept and make different pieces of content from it because it saves you a lot of creative energy not having to reinvent the wheel. Granted, I think they do that a little too much sometimes, but you know, like I can appreciate it from that side. Yeah, I saw Toy Story 4 as well. And oh, that is a series that when I've been, where I've been like, just maybe they should stop making them, like just stop already. But Toy Story 4 was, was actually great. Yeah, I loved 4. Like, okay, I have to see it. Yeah, so don't tell me. Yeah, anything. you should see it. I won't say anything. Yeah. I also but haven't seen the good. newest uh, Star Wars movie yet. I've heard mixed reviews. I haven't seen it either. Yeah. I've also oh, heard mixed. Speaking of Star Wars, though, sorry, this is. Yeah. <laughs> I was on Petapixel, and have you seen. Uh, do you watch any Disney Plus shows? I don't have Disney Plus yet. Oh, uh, okay. Well, do you know who Baby Yoda is? I've seen a lot of memes and t shirts. Okay. So. so but, uh, but you know who Yoda is, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's this photographer who did a long exposure of baby Yoda in the sky. Whoa. And it's it's different colors. It was a one take, no composite, like straight out of camera. It looks so cool. And he even like made like the Yoda parts green and like his clothing part brown by changing the filter in front of his light. So hang on, let me send you the link real quick. Yeah. And I thought of you because you're into astrophotography and we've done yeah, it before. Yeah, that's so cool. It's just amazing how creative people can get and the software they use to make those things happen. The photographer is Russell Klimas, I think. So if you want to look him up on Instagram, it's light, N-L-E-N-S-E. Uh, and I mean, his stuff is really cool. It's all like long exposure, uh, light painting stuff. Oh, wow. Wait, I, I just searched it because I didn't get the link. Oh, I sent it on Facebook. Okay. It, it was just the link to Petapixel, like the full website. But I oh, see it weird. and it is so Sorry. cool. So he used a drone to light paint in the sky. Yeah. That's incredible. We can maybe put a link to that in the description if people want to check it out. Yeah. Or if you go to his Instagram, it's one of the most recent ones. If you're listening to this in January. Share it or something. I just flew back from Virginia to New York today. Um, and last night, it was like my last night in Virginia. So I wanted to do some astrophotography. But first off, problem number one, the moon was like directly overhead. Would have been just really, really bright. And then the other problem is there were like extremely high winds. So I was like a bit worried about my camera getting blown all over, over the place. So I sadly didn't do it. And now I'm back in New York with too much light pollution to do any sort of astrophotography. I'm surprised uh, you didn't post more pictures of your dog. Yeah, I had. I felt like I should restrain myself. <laughs> <laughs> I had so many more to post. I don't know. Content curation is a real struggle sometimes. Figuring out yeah. when to post things and when to stop posting a certain thing. I mean, it's tough too. Like if you 
you know, if your Instagram is only really like your family and close friends following you, it's fine. If you like have more of a business type page, then you don't want to like go on vacation and just post a hundred dog photos in a row. Although, I mean, if you are branding yourself as this solo entrepreneur and people are coming to you more because of you, a little bit of that I think could help your brand because it helps personalize mm. you. Yeah, it makes but it more I agree. Relatable. I mean, you shouldn't post like a hundred dog pictures if you're trying yeah. to sell headshots. Yeah, you know, once in a while, or you know, like a portrait with you and your family. That's a nice little touch. Yeah. Speaking of which, actually, I meant to dive into this. We've touched on it like very, very briefly before, but would you ever consider making a separate Instagram account for your photography? Because right now it's all on one thing. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I've thought about it a lot. My main concern right now is that my like dancer self and photographer self share the same Instagram account. So like I have a show coming up in January and like all of the advertising and marketing that I do for that show goes on the same page as my photography one, which sometimes gets confusing as like who took the photos. And also I can't just post like a kind of bad photo in rehearsal because like it looks bad on the feed with all of the other photos that look better. (laughs) So right now I kind of use my stories more to post about like dance stuff and then my actual page to post photography business related posts. Um, the, ma- the main reason why I haven't split to two separate accounts is I like dancers knowing that I'm a photographer and photographers knowing that I'm a dancer, like having that one thing combined. Like mm-hmm. I'm not two separate people. I'm a dancer. Like the reason why I should take photos of your dance show is because I'm a dancer. And the reason why I should be in your dance is or help with your arts nonprofit is because I have my own business. So like, I feel like all of those things are really connected and having one account helps connect them all. Like if a random dancer looks for my work, they're like, Oh, that's really cool. You also take photos. I think right now in like the dance climate, everybody needs to do everything. Like people look for dancers who can also choreograph and they have arts nonprofit experience and business experience. And like, if you can film and take photos as well, I think it makes you like, better candidate for a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like not separating those things. But then it does have, you know, problems of like, it makes it harder to post stuff. And I think it can get confusing for people. Yeah, well, I guess my one thought is, when I look at your Instagram, I don't know that you're a dancer, because kind of like what you're saying, how you don't post your dance stuff in your regular feed, because it looks so different, that like, there's no archive of you being a dancer on your feed. I see yeah. blogs and I see pictures of dancers that you've like pictures that you've taken because your Instagram story only lasts for 24 hours. So at this point, yeah. you could just make a whole new dance account, I feel like, and it wouldn't really affect it, except for the fact that you'd have to get people who are already following you to follow that account as well. But like, yeah. but content wise, you're kind of only showing photography stuff mm-hmm, on your mm-hmm. current account. Yeah. I mean, then it brings up the whole conversation of like, on that account first off what do you post right like i don't know dance videos and then also what does that lead to like does that lead to dance business success you know like being in more people's work i'm not really sure if that's my goal well from our conversations though it feels like so you have your photography business where you do primarily like dance shows, dancers, you're tr- you're starting to do more headshots, those kinds of things, maybe even family portraits. And then your other artistic endeavor is creating dance works 
right? So, mm-hmm. so if you're trying to book clients, and on the dance side, you want people to come see the works that you create. Is that accurate? Like you're not trying to get booked by other people, but you're trying to promote your own choreographic. Yeah, work. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so I feel like on a dance account, it's super easy because then you can post, you know, rehearsal videos, or you can make a little trailer. And you can post that or you can just, you can post a random picture of like a foam roller in the studio and mm-hmm. it fits aesthetically with that you know, and it fits with the brand. Well, where with your current profile, I don't think you could ever do that. And so because of that, it, like you have to there are so few things that cross over both brands that you have a hard time posting stuff, if that makes sense. So if you were mm-hmm. to separate it, I think it'd be really easy or not really easy, but it would be easier to come up with content for both yeah individually. i guess yes the it's also other more account, work but yeah you know i mean it's more work yeah <laughs> the i'm not sure if like having a dance focused instagram account actually leads to getting more performances like i mean it can't hurt right it can only help but i'm not sure like when i apply to stuff nowhere does it ask for like your instagram handle right but or I like think, your website right i agree but i do think it would help your photography because it would focus that account more. Yeah. I mean, the only stuff that's dance related goes in the stories, which, as you said, goes away anyway, except right. for the ones that are like archived. Yeah. Or like for mine, for example, my personal account, I promote all my dance and other family stuff. And my media account, I only show my work. And I'm starting to play more with like behind the scenes stuff and if that should mm-hmm. end up in my feed or not. But anytime I post about like I have a performance, I'll share that post on my media story. So it's kind of the same thing that you're doing, but mm-hmm. mine is archived on my other account. So as people scroll through, they can see all that stuff. Do you feel like you've gotten more dance work through the dance Instagram? Or do you feel like you've just gotten more photography work because you've been able to streamline your photography page? I think I've been able to, I don't know. So my is kind of weird because similar to yours, like I don't really audition. I I perform with a couple companies that I know really well that I've built relationships with. And so I just keep working with them. I'm not ever really trying to book new jobs per se, but my personal Instagram is really useful for when I um, ever have to teach a workshop or teach at a new studio where a lot of times they'll go look at that and my website. And so that has been helpful in just curating like this is me as a dancer. This is me as a person. I you know, I, oh, I'm with people, I have really good interpersonal, you know, um, interpersonal skills and all, all that stuff. And then I'll, in my profile, I'll say also see my photography work here on this yeah. account. And on my photography one, I say, see my work as a dancer here and I'll link it to the other one. So if people look at my profile, they'll still have that option to go look at it. But that way on my personal one, I can like my website link is sometimes my website. Sometimes it's a vlog. Sometimes it's this podcast. Whereas my photography one, it always links to my website because that's the one I'm I'm actually trying to book people for mm-hmm. versus my personal one. I promote kind of whatever project I have coming up. And that way there's a clear like this is what this is where this content goes. This is where this content goes. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I mean, before I started doing photography professionally. I wasn't really active on any social media platforms because I'm just like not that interested in sharing stuff from like my personal life. And I I feel like my photography business like took off in a professional way before my dancer self did. I'm not even sure if I'd consider it like a dance business. I, you know, it's I apply to shows, I get shows here and there. I 
always have like one choreography project rolling and then you know things kind of come up slowly but I don't push it in the same way that I do my photography business um so I feel like I I had no social media and then I kind of like turned the social media I already had into the direction of photography and then mm-hmm. I haven't like stepped back to figure out what happens with the dance side of things. Yeah. Um, my first feeling is like if I made a separate account that was just for like, like say I wasn't a dancer and I just made another account for like a personal stuff aside of from photography, I feel like I wouldn't really want to post that much because I just don't really like sharing like, I don't know, pictures of me like hanging out with friends and stuff. I just don't really, I've never been that interested in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So then the question would be like, well, what kind of, dance content does one post and I don't actually follow like a lot of I guess I do follow a lot of dancers on Instagram but it doesn't feel like they I don't think they like post that much I don't know I would need to do some research as to like what other dancers are really doing yeah Um, I mean from a business perspective I think uh, what dance what choreographers can use social media a lot for is just show that you are still present and in the community so yeah. the fact that you're still you're posting every two days, it just you're more on top of mind for people. Um, and so, for example, like for a dance place, some artists that come through are very active on social media, whether they have a company Instagram or it's just their personal account, while others don't. And so whenever I'm posting, um, say, like uh, this week, it's this artist, blah, 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 blah. And I tag them if I'm not already in that world and I don't know them right and I click on their profile the fact that I see their Instagram is active that they have little snippets of stuff you know that looks better than not really having anything or last time you posted Mm -hmm. was in 2016 which happens actually once in a while when I try to go find this choreographer you know like things like that so I think that is a another useful tool or another way to use that as as a tool but also Right now, like, so my show coming up in January, my Instagram linked to that show and like on the CPR website and stuff is my photography one, right? So would I rather have random audience members and dancers click through to a dance page to see clips of the clips of rehearsals and things like that? Or would I rather them click through and see like, oh, this person's a photographer. I've been looking for a photographer. Like one of them, I feel like I can get business out of it. And the other one, I can get like maybe a couple audience members, but like I get the same. But you're targeting the wrong audience. If people are clicking through the the website about the show, you should want them to go through and want to see you dance. That You shouldn't be trying to get them to get you as a photographer. Like that's a whole, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that might be a nice byproduct if they happen to see a link in your profile, but you should be trying to use that website link that the theater put up to get them to come see you dance because that's why you're doing it I don't know I mean part of me doesn't really because this is not the right audience they're not in the mindset of hiring a photographer so you're just you're I feel like that's an, but I think a, the more you can get to do it the more you can get your photography work out there the better in general because you never know who's going to be looking for a photographer and Ultimately, like there's not a huge benefit. I I feel like people don't really like they're really unable to track how many audience members you get to a show like for each artist. So like if it's a split bill show and the majority are coming from me or the majority are coming from the other person, they're never able to like 
track that per se. Like, I don't think me bringing more audience members to the show will necessarily directly lead to me getting another show booked. Because it's all about like the venue and what they're looking for and the season that they're curating. Right. But I do think it helps you build a personal brand. So if people see your work, then they start potentially following you and coming to more of your work. I, I don't think it's, it's not that you're trying to get to like 10,000 followers. So then a theater will, will book you. Yeah. I think it's I mean, getting your work seen enough that people start to know your work. So they come to see the show because of you. I think that's, that's the ultimate goal, but I think my closer goal <laughs> is just like having more time to make work. And having more time to make work means having more photography work so that I can quit other jobs. Uh-huh. You see what I mean? Like if I spend a couple hundred dollars a month on studio space to make my choreography, if I can get one headshot client by seeing my work literally on any platform that they see it, that covers all of the space rentals for that month. Gotcha. And that means that I don't have to like teach all of these other places to like pay rent. Okay. So well like then, the short term goal is get as much photography work as I possibly can because that gives me more time and more groceries and X, Y, and Z to like yeah. actually make the work. I think in five years from now, when the photography work is more stable and I'm really trying to push more dance things, then it makes sense to push dance audiences through Instagram. But I think it's like, am I gonna actually get another show by having people visit my Instagram site? Maybe, but from my experience working at arts nonprofits, it's like so crazy arbitrary. You know, it's like this person has work that's slightly similar to this person's and we can only curate one of them. I've never seen anyone like really look at people's Instagrams or like websites, you know? So it okay. kind of depends just like what you actually want out of it. Okay. I have three thoughts. Um, let me go for it. I don't forget them. So first thought with your short term goal in that case, why don't you just turn your Instagram into a completely only photography one? Because I think it's important for people who are booking me to shoot their shows that they also know that I'm a dancer. I think those snippets of me dancing and my choreography work on my Instagram stories are important. Oh, no, but I mean, in your feed, then like, you shouldn't be posting pictures of like your dogs and you being on holiday. Like you should just be your dance photography work then. Like, so why don't you? But I do more like, than really just take photos them. of dancers. But you're not a pet photographer though. But I could be. <laughs> <laughs> but It's you not are... that different than headshots, Jonathan. <laughs> but in all of our conversations, I haven't heard you once say you offer that as a product. So <laughs> one person once asked me to take photos of their dog. It didn't happen, but... It could happen. I'm saying, though, your target audience, your target demographic doesn't seem to be pet owners. It seems like you're trying to get more headshots, dance stuff, family portraits. I mean, on my Instagram, I don't I don't post anything that I like take with my phone. You know, it's all photos that come off of my camera. And I think showing a diverse sort of portfolio is a good thing. I guess I don't have a specific demographic right now. You know, like I've taken photos of kids, I've done headshots, I've done events, I've done dancers, I've done shows, photo shoots. And I think it's important to show both on your Instagram and your website that like you can do a really wide range of photography because you never know who is looking for something slightly different than what they think you can do. And 
they ask you to do it because they realize, oh, I didn't know you could do this sort of genre of photography, but I saw on your Instagram this post and it made me think, oh, maybe you could also do that. Okay, so in a lot of uh, like seminars that I've listened to or things online, something I think that is often not debated, but like it's a topic of conversation is should you market yourself as a jack of all trades or as a specialist? Yeah. Right. And the camp that I lean more towards is marketing yourself as a specialist because the way that someone that said it, I can't remember who, but if you say, for example, if you need surgery on your heart, you don't want the doctor that also looks at kids and does like regular health checks. You don't want to see someone who also does feet. You want to see someone that only works on hearts and has a lot of experience and you know can do it well, right? And so like as a photographer, if you are known for doing just that one thing, then people will go to you for just that one thing. Oh, like I just saw, oh shoot, I can't remember his his handle, but this guy does toy photography. And that is all that he does. He does like these model shoots with toys, but he does like a really cool like perspective and he adds props in and smoke and stuff. It's so cool. So he got hired by Disney to do that because he was a specialist. So when you are a specialist, people will come to you. You can charge more because you can back up your work, right? You can show the work, but then you will always get the other people who ask, hey, like I know you do photography. Do you also do this? And when that happens, you don't, have to say sorry that's not my specialty so i don't do it you can still do the work but you don't maybe market it or you don't show it like for me even though i i think i literally only show dance stuff and some headshot stuff on mine i've gotten asked to do family portraits before i've gotten asked to do real estate i've gotten asked to do more portrait style stuff you know and i don't ever show it on my instagram maybe on my story once in a while you know but just because I don't show that work doesn't mean people don't ask me for it, if that makes sense. But I think my brand is stronger because I only show what I want to be doing. Which, in your case, maybe you want to do families and pets, so you should show all of that. The, these other jobs that you've gotten that aren't dance-related, have they been complete strangers or people that you have connected with through dance photography that then ask you to do something else? Uh, It's been people who are kind of in my circle so like i already know them so they've seen my photography work so you're not really looking to connect to new people through doing like event photography well yeah because that's not my special it's not what i enjoy first of all so i don't really want to specifically for events i don't want to book a lot of events but also like mm-hmm. if i i feel like like if you could spend like say you know cuz so facebook ads right if you could spend $200 just targeting I don't know, like say like um, middle class families, right? You would reach more people that way than saying, I want you to reach all of New York, some families, some single people, some lower class, some upper class, you know, like because that spreads it out so much more. You can concentrate your marketing marketing more if you have a very specific audience you're trying to reach. So it's also a better use of your marketing money if you are putting, you know, or your efforts into marketing. I mean, I agree with all of that, but I also think if if the ultimate goal is to be a photographer who specializes in dance photography, mm-hmm. then somewhere along the lines, you have to show that you can do other types of photography. And maybe why? 90% of your feed... What was Why? You said why? Yeah. yeah. Because 
being a photographer is more than just doing the one kind of photography that you specialize in. Like you're, if you specialize in something, to me, that means that that's what, maybe that's your favorite type of photography to do. Maybe that's what you feel the most comfortable in, but that doesn't uh -huh. necessarily mean that's the majority of your work. Like if I look for the past year, like where the majority of my photography income came from, it's events and headshots. Okay, it's not but dance. You, but you just said, just because it's a specialty doesn't mean that's all you do. So then why are you assuming people that come to you, if they only see dance photography, they assume that's all you can do? I think if they're going to come to you to book an event somewhere, they need to see that you've done event photography before. Whether it's on your Instagram or your website, it doesn't really matter. So, well, I guess my point then is I would then take, I would make a separate website or a separate Instagram then for events. Like I, like a photographer I follow has three different websites, one for high-end portraits, one for weddings and one for boudoir. And it's all her, but her, the branding and the demographic she's trying to reach is so different with each website or each, each type that, you know, like she has a whole different marketing strategy for each one and a website. Sorry, I, this is a lot. We just, we're just arguing. You love already. marketing. <laughs> I, I legit listen to like marketing podcasts nonstop for like six months when I first started, just trying to figure out what to do. So yeah. I've given this a lot of thought. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I can tell. I'm very I've, passionate I've about just this. Had, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's all good. I've just had like experiences where like I've worked for, like I've been talking to a client about shooting their show and they I direct them to my website. And then once they get to my website, they stumble on like the headshots and event sections and they book those things. Or they like refer me to another client for doing an event because they were they went to my website to download their performance photos and they mm -hmm. clicked through and saw the events pages. Like I think even if you have separate websites for each of these separate photography genres or whatever, they need to mm -hmm. be easily connected. And then if they're easily connected, it's not that different than just having separate tabs on one website. And I think then it comes down to what is the difference between your website and your Instagram? Is your Instagram only showing the type of photography that you specialize in? Or is your Instagram showing a random collection of things that you do with your camera, including landscapes and dogs and events and portraits, headshots and all of those things? And for me, I'm hoping that my Instagram targets like everybody, you know, people who are looking at my Instagram, who are thinking in the back of their head, oh man, I need to hire an event photographer and they see an event photo pop up. They might think of me to do that or they might refer me to do that, mm -hmm. um, which I, I think it's also important to think about like if the ultimate goal is to have photography be your main job, which like that's what my goal is. Maybe the thing that you love the most, maybe the genre that you're the most interested in, which for me is shooting performances, that might not be the most lucrative. You know, oh, you might for, have it's for sure to, not the most lucrative. <laughs> you yeah, might sure. have to do a type of photography. Like, I don't love doing events, but like, I'm trying to get good at them because they pay well, right. you know, and I would much rather do an event that I don't love than a different type of, jo of job that I'm doing you know, in almost any other field. Mm -hmm. I will say, I think that is a difference between our two approaches. I, because I also work at dance place and photography is not my full-time job. Like I want to be very picky. Like I, I do just want to work with dancers. Um, and I, I hate events. So, and because I don't have to make a living from f my photography, I don't have to do events. So I think I, I do 
I want to acknowledge that like ours circumstances are also different and our our audiences are different um so yeah i totally see that um because i remember like when i first started on my website i had like a tab for dance a tab for like graduation pictures and mm-hmm. now that graduation tab is gone because i don't want to do it anymore yeah <laughs> send um, them to me i'll do them <laughs> all the way from new york you'll, you'll bust down to colleges sure. here. <laughs> um yeah i mean i feel like we've we've beat this topic into the ground a little bit yeah and we could definitely That's keep okay. going but um yeah we can end the podcast and then keep talking about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah how did this even start Anyways, you know, I don't um, know. Oh, I will say. Oh, Somehow sorry. One here. last thing, though. One last thing, because because you were saying how like your short term goal and then your long term goal is in the future. If you get to a point where photography is um, more stable and you can use your social media to push dance more. Um, my one like thought about that is social media takes time. So like a pet peeve I have is I'll see local dancers who have a show in like three months. And then they'll make an Instagram or make a social media thing and start promoting the show then. And then they ask why it isn't doing anything to help visibility because you don't have an audience. You just started. So if you want to really build up something on social media where you can really start promoting dance shows, I think then it's just a question of like when to when to start thinking about how to integrate it more into your social media. I mean, I definitely strategy. noticed that with photography, right? Like I was I was promoting dance photography for almost a year before I got any clients through my Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect example. Like the same thing would happen for dance. Yeah. Things to consider for 2020, making new Instagram accounts. Is there anything else you want to talk about where we could basically close out the show? I mean, it's almost been 40 minutes. I don't have anything else at the moment. All right. Well then, discovery of the week. Let's do this. Okay. <laughs> we don't have go to drag for, this on if we first. don't want to. Um, okay. Well, my discovery of kind of the past two, three weeks actually um, is finding ways to make things more efficient. And this came about because um, at my job, our communications director uh, left. So we've been trying to figure out who covers what and you know how to make things more streamlined. So for the first time ever, and I'm kind of ashamed to say this because this is my third year working at Dance Place. I just now made a social media content calendar because we have a communications associate now that I'm working with. And before it was me and the communication um, communications director, just like talking, emailing back and forth. And we would, whatever what needed to be done would get done. But now that there's a less obvious chain of command for, you know, for content going out, um, I needed a way to make sure everything was communicated efficiently and so having this content calendar has actually really helped just plan out content. This was one of those, like, I know I should have done it earlier, but I was lazy and I didn't really need to. So I never did, but it's actually saved me a lot of time because now a lot of things are already pre-scheduled out and I can now spend time on researching new things or figuring out how to make things even better instead of feeling like I'm struggling to catch up. Um, so I think just this, the general discovery is figuring out tools to make things more efficient. Um, I also got a new keyboard and I have been learning Woo. how to put shortcuts into it. And so everything now, when I edit, whether it's video or photo, it's all done with my left hand and I don't have to reach across the keyboard. And so my left hand is all hotkeys. My right hand is my mouse. And so now it's, I'm still learning where all the keys are, especially because now I have to learn new shortcuts for five different programs. 
but um, the eventual goal is I can be much faster. So I think that my general discovery is just figure out ways to be more efficient with your time. Yeah, every every second that you can shave off of editing a photo, I mean, adds up, right? Yeah. Although right now, because I'm still learning, it feels like I'm going way slower, which is frustrating. But I'm hoping in the next two weeks, I'll finally get to a point where it feels faster. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll figure it out. Yeah. Okay, my discovery of the week has nothing to do with dance or photography. It has to do with cooking, which is my other favorite hobby. Ooh. Um, so I love cooking. And I made some mashed potatoes last night a different way than I've ever done before. So normally if I make mashed potatoes, I boil the potatoes and then I mash them and then I add like, you know, cream and butter and all of the things. Um, but this time I baked them. And then I boiled some cream on the stove. And as soon as it boiled, I turned the heat off. Then I added the potatoes through like a ricer into the hot cream. And they were way silkier and smoother than any mashed potatoes I've made before. So wow. I would recommend That's trying it. That's really hungry just listening yeah, to that. Yeah, go make some mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. All right, yep. well, we're going to have a baking segment now to this podcast. Yeah, sure. Or cooking, sorry, <laughs> not baking. Um, all right, cool. Well, you can always follow us on Instagram, Still in Motion Podcast. You can also email us at stillinmotionpodcast at gmail.com. We are on all the so uh, well, social. We are on all the podcast apps. So make sure you follow us, whether it's on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. Give us a listen, subscribe, leave us a review. All that is appreciated. You can also follow us on our personal accounts. So my media one is JHSU Media. Catherine's is Catherine.Butler. That's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N dot Butler. And Catherine, take it away. Thank you so much to Shannon McConnell for making this awesome exit music that's happening right now. And Amanda Blythe for our graphic design. And that's it. Happy New Year. Woo! See you Bye. next week. Bye.